Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, and welcome to the show, the um, penultimate show of, uh, of the year for, for yours truly. Um, and a welcome to Lynn Cullen, uh, Still Alive. It's uh, December 29, and it's uh, Tuesday, and that means Susan should be there. Hello. She's not there. Amy's trying to tell me something. <laughs> wait a minute, wait. I got too many phones here, and my face AD, ID, no Susan yet. Well, let's just wait and see how long it takes for her to remember it's Tuesday. I talked to her just last night, so maybe that's it. She's so talked out with me. We were on the phone for a long time that maybe she thinks she did the show. Um, so, uh, you know, I was thinking, I, in order to get on the program, I have to call a, a phone number. And then once I've dialed that number, I get this disembodied voice saying, um, uh, you know, welcome, uh, please put in your show number. And so you have to put in that number. And then you're told to wait until you hear a beep and that means you're you're on. And that's when I start talking. So um, it occurred to me that I have probably, well, I don't know. I mean, how many times have I done the show from here? We've done it almost all year from here. I would, if asked, have no more idea what that phone number is that I dial every day. I, if you ask me, what is it? Can you even get close to that number? I can't. I think I could do the area code. There is an area code. I think I could do that. And then the show number, it's just four digits, but I don't think none of that sticks in my head. I don't have the kind of head that takes in numbers and i'm not sure why that is nor i the kind that can uh conceptualize time yes i was just gonna i was gonna complete that <laughs> sentence for you i didn't know if it was time or day or what it was but i was gonna i decided let's just wait and see how long it takes for her. i was I had the phone sitting at, at 8.57. I was ready to go. Yeah. And then I started reading something. And That's then I happens. looked up and I went, oh, my God. And then, of course, you know, then my finger wouldn't work and, the, you know, the whole thing. So. But I, so, so you have to dial these same numbers. Would you even have uh, without – now, you just did. But without – do you have any idea what those numbers are? Uh, one four one two two hundred uh, eight five six eight six. Oh, that's not my number. That's not the one I do. No, that's the one I do. Okay. Then do you know the show number? No, I don't have to anymore. Oh, they put you right through, huh? Yeah. Well, how come I have to? Well, so I, I Okay. 
So I have to go through this whole no, other. No, no, but I do. Number. No, no, but like uh, previously, yes, I did, and asked me, do I remember them? No, I and and I would make a a note on my iPad and then find the note, and then the note would get progressively further away, and I'd have to resend it to myself and move it back up to the top, and then I. <laughs> well, what I do, and this is how old school I am. I have a little yellow post-it note, and it is stuck right here on my com laptop, and yeah. so that that's it's right there. Yeah, but yeah, that's I very old school to put one. to put to put notes. I know it, it works. <laughs> it works. Yeah, I know. I know it works, but it's just sort of funny that that it uh, works your idea I of a note is not, for example, uh, Apple's idea of a note. No, not at all. And fuck them. Excuse me. <laughs> I was trying to text somebody and I used the word. Oh, I know. I was actually texting um, one of one of our listeners, uh, James, who um, after I did a rant about uh, how little uh, Pennsylvania uh, funds uh, education <clears throat> And he wrote me this. The New York Times uh, said that a community college contributes seven thousand two hundred dollars toward the edu toward the edu education of each student, while an Ivy League college contributes one hundred thousand per student. And I wrote back to him something. Um, oh my God! I completely forgot where this was going. <laughs> no, oh, I hate that. Texts. You were texting something. We were talking about your idea of notes. Oh yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jeez. So I wrote back something about, you know, yeah, it was ever thus, you know, uh, them that the 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 rich are always given more. I mean, you know, what you already are obviously well well ahead of the game. You get to go to Harvard, and now we'll spend a hundred thousand dollars on you. Whereas if you're already down at the bottom, trying to claw your way up, uh, you'll get seven thousand bucks maybe spent on you at a community college. So anyway, whatever. And I and I was I said it's a as American as apple pie is what I wrote. And Apple, this is what did it because you said Apple. Uh, apple made it an Apple symbol. Apple just I, I, I capitalized it. So. Apple became Apple, as American as apple pie. And I thought, I went nuts. I thought, no, I mean an apple. I mean a little apple. And, and apple is now, the regular word apple is relegated <clears throat> off to the left with little quote marks around it. <laughs> well, like it's, it's not even a word. I know, I know. It's we're, we're, like uh, like it's your misspelling, but yes. Yeah. God, turn off, dang turn it. off. I turn off. Turn off autocorrect, and you won't have these rants because you oh. can't imagine what they decide I'm trying to say. Well, I know. Oh, what you're trying to say? Oh, when you're doing verbal stuff? No, when I'm just oh, when you're just, you know, typing, just take yeah. a perfectly good yeah. word and change it into something <clears throat> else. I know. Oh, God dang it, my throat's been okay lately, and and then um, I so I was interested. <laughs> no, it's not you. You said so. Oh, you were talking about Pennsylvania and education, and in fact, yeah. the reason that I was late. <laughs> 
is yeah. because I was reading about the Supreme, the case that the Supreme Court is oh, probably yeah. going to take up in Pennsylvania about free speech right. in schools. I know that case very well because when I was on the state board of the ACLU, that was a case that we yeah. were uh, working on. And so that case, and we've won and won and won, and that case has now made its way to the Roberts Court. And it's a case of a young uh, girl, high school student, who didn't, I, as I remember it, because I didn't see what you saw. She well, didn't here, I, yeah, I, just, I, I just, I just, she was a cheerleader. <laughs> she did not, uh, she had tried out for varsity. She didn't make varsity. She found so out she was going to be in junior varsity. She gets upset. She's at home on a weekend, and she puts up on Snapchat, uh, so it's ephemeral. It's going to disappear. Um, uh, uh, fuck school. Fuck. Um, fuck cheer, everything. Fuck, fuck this. Fuck that. Fuck right, right, right. Sports. Fuck. You know, it's just four things. That and, and didn't name the school. Didn't name them. And um, some st- a student whose parent was a coach um, took a picture, a screenshot of what should have disappeared as uh, on the media and uh, medium and um, uh, showed, showed it to, it to the, her, the, the coach parent. mother. And what happens is that the kid gets suspended from cheering for a year to protect team order. <laughs> and so, okay. uh, that gets overturned. Uh, and and it gets overturned very broadly by the Third Circuit saying that you just, you've got nothing to say about anything that students say on their own time, on their own time off campus, which frankly, I that is at odds with some other cases uh, with which I agree, uh, and it doesn't take into account uh, social media. So, for example, there was a case, and there have been a case like this in several schools where a bunch of boys get together and yeah. they start circulating, you know, and grading girls. Yeah. Um, and those things have, I mean, uh, you know, that if that isn't handled properly by the schools, those schools get sued and they get sued big. And frankly, yeah. I think they should. Those are organized school activities by kids that are, you know, against other students, you know, and I, the school has to have some right to, to say that you're not allowed to do that. But on the other hand, the school has absolutely no right to, to, do to that girl what they did. Well, I, and I do think it is a case of you'd got, you do have to look at these things more narrowly. She did not name the school. She didn't, you know, if you didn't see it, you didn't, you know, I mean, I just, you got to have a right to be able to. She wasn't harming anybody no or anything. Harm. She was simply right. venting. On her own time, and and, and obviously totally a disappointed, angry. It uh, wasn't pointed at any individual. It wasn't even. It did not mention a school by name. You know, you can't do that. You do. People do have the right to to be angry and say things in anger about their friends about the school. They they do have a right to do that. But you can't. It has to be about causing harm to the institution or or a or a group of students within the institution and there has to be some way to 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 draw a little bit of a line around that yeah it, well it's yeah it's it's tough so anyway this case goes to 
Uh, well, we play. don't know. It's up. It, we'll see when the when the court comes back. It's among oh, the whether they take they it. would take or not, and they probably okay. will. And people are worried because Roberts holds himself up to be the great defender, First Amendment protector. Yeah, yeah. Except that the last case that he wrote for the majority in a school case was against the the student. All right. Well, so well, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, I just got a text from my son saying that he's coming over tomorrow. He says, because he doesn't have TV, I guess. I'm coming over tomorrow to watch, it says, capital A-E-W. What's that? A-E-W. <laughs> What's A-E-W? Amer, uh, it'll be something horrific. I don't know. Uh, Academy of uh, no. Uh, is there an award thing? No. No. Um, he wouldn't watch that. A E W. It's probably something that would make me mad. <laughs> oh, Amy's got it. Amy, Amy, way to go! And that makes perfect sense. You won't believe this. What? All elite wrestling. Oh, that doesn't make me mad. Well, it doesn't make you mad, but it's like, I can't believe he still watches this. He just thinks it's a riot, that stuff. I, I, I used to. I once drove him and a friend way the hell. Yeah, he's got that wrestling two memorabilia. Two counties over. Yeah, two counties <laughs> over. To watch some wrestling thing at a at a dive. I mean, this was like local kind of more regional wrestling. It and I have to tell you that was a riot. That was so funny and entertaining and almost endearing. Um, but I also found myself at yeah the arena watching you know the the big guys WWE and um, stuff. But yeah, he still still loves it. I, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I've interviewed wrestlers because of him. I trekked out to Monroeville to get a, a, a signed uh, photo from Ric Flair for his birthday once. And it still hangs in his bedroom. I don't know if it does. I don't think that one does. I I put up on my Twitter page. It's my 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 pinned Twitter thing is a picture I took of me and me and Fleur, <laughs> Rick Flair, Flair, I don't know, um, at at the at the event. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, okay. So he's coming over to watch wrestling. Well, and where the <laughs> well, hell am I going to nice go? Afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Ellen writes, I had the need to use the word COVID in several texts recently. I am so surprised that with the prevalence of the use of the word in these times that I am still getting the proverbial red underline when I type it in. Huh. Usually it comes right up and in fact capitalizes it. I wonder why that's true. Who the hell knows? Maybe you haven't upgraded your computer to the latest. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. software. I mean, it, that could be as uh, the latest operating system. That could be as easy as that. Well, um, okay. Listen, I got a. Um, we're doing a little science section today. Okay. I didn't get to the science section, or I wouldn't have called you until nine twenty. <laughs> okay, it's no big deal. It's not all in the science section from today. I got these. Um, some of it is from today, but it's. Um, let's see here. Uh, how do turtles breathe? Because they got that. They have that hard shell, and their rib cages can't expand. Well, they got so, a nose, so the air goes in that way. Well, painted turtles breathe through their butts. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I always wonder why you pick things. This is what I know. <laughs> Don't ask me. Um, it says they uh, pump water through their cloaca, I guess that's their butthole, an opening under their tail where blood vessels take up oxygen. And this allows them to breathe through uh -huh, their butts. Just saying. Okay. This so is, the nose is do, just for, for decoration? No, I think this has to do with uh, in the winter when it's cold. I, oh, okay. I don't know. It has to, they breathe through their butts when it, in the winter. They put, their nose away for the, they put their nose away for the season and use the foot. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> it's like covering and, it up with the tarp. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I know this because of the fish in my pond. And, you know, fish just sink to the bottom and say – Screw it. Wake me up when it's over. And, and you know, they just sort of shut down. Um, wood frogs. Now, this I really like. What do they do now when it's cold? Well, they bury themselves under leaves and then freeze. Solid. <laughs> I don't know why you bother to bury yourself after leaves. What's with the leaves for? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll be protected so no one will see them. Because they're absolutely frozen solid. And their hearts stop beating. They don't breathe at all. So how the hell do they live? Well, it must be the same thing as with – they're suspended. It must be the same thing as like when people – are underwater and ultra cold and it just yeah. slows things down so that no damn they're frozen they're suspended well it has to do with sugars though as well the what they do is they make glucose and that goes into their cells and keeps them hydrated and prevents them from being damaged and then when the temperatures warm up they simply thaw out and hop away. Well, it's adaptive. I'll give it that. <laughs> <laughs> you and know, just when you want to complain about your life, I'm <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And honeybees—they're so communal. I just love them. Honeybees. Uh, it's the poor workers, of course, who have to keep everybody else warm. But the bees that are relegated to the out, outer 
uh, you know, uh, the outer outskirts of the of the hive. Right. They do this weird dance. Uh, they keep their wings still and they vibrate their muscles. They're the muscles that are used to it's cause shivering. <laughs> In a way, yeah. They, they vibrate their muscles to generate heat. Exactly. It's like shivering, but it, it looks like a, they're dancing. And um, and that ends up heating up the hive. Well, I, re I remember when our brother went to, um, when he was in high school, did a special summer course at the uh, University of Wisconsin, and his he studied honeybees for three months and came home just so blown away by them. And I remember him saying, how? So when one of them finds, you know, the pollen, they go back to the hive and they do this dance. And they tell, the dance tells everybody else where the pollen is. That's why I, I vaguely remember this. And But he was so excited. That might not be true what I just said, but that's that was my memory, which is often not true. I think it is true. Maybe it might be, but bees are just, they're, they're, they're just amazing. Now, <laughs> all right, uh, the, the animal kingdom and sex is always mind-blowing. Right? <laughs> that's it. That's like our trip to New York in the... Uh... Yes, <laughs> we saw <laughs> the polar children. bears. Polar bears. Mom, what are they doing? <laughs> that, was the are same, they? that was well, the same I, trip where the with the pigeon pooped on Mom's on hair in Central Park. I do remember that. <laughs> and we had to go into the plaza to wash her hair. <laughs> <laughs> Family vacays. Okay, go well, on. You know, Sorry. it reminds me what I just said about, yeah, what are those bears doing? Um, it, it reminds me of sitting in your um, in your den in your your first house um haven view with haven your son, view. Yeah. with your son who was maybe about 3 and some stupid soap opera was on i don't know and i was sitting on the couch with him i wasn't really paying attention but i looked down at him and he was I'm looking at a profile of a little kid with his eyes bugged out and his mouth hanging open. And I looked at what he was looking at and it was, yeah, sort of steamy soap opera <laughs> love scene. <laughs> and without turning to me, still looking, staring at that screen, he said, what are those guys playing? into um, today is uh, crickets, actually. <laughs> From polar bears to crickets, okay. Right. Actually, specifically tree crickets. And the females, and this is not much different than other females, they tend to be attracted to the males who are the most obnoxious, the loudest and the biggest, right? 
There's the yeah. animal kingdom for you. The loudest and the biggest. And so what does that mean for the little male crickets <laughs> who, you know, they aren't, you know, they aren't all beefed up and they're right. The slameels yeah. of the population. Yeah. So how do they ever get anything? Well, it turns out what they lack in brawn, they got in brains. So some of the punier males disguise their size. And to stay competitive, male crickets with tinier bodies or quieter voices actually make mini megaphones out of leaves to amplify their calls. And it works! The Eddie Cantor a critic. A critic. <laughs> Joel, what was his name? The, uh, what was the, uh, Jolson, the Al Jolson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. So there's that. And then uh, just one more. (laughs) Anything to keep us from reality. Well, this is reality. This is reality. It's just, we're just focusing on other of God's creatures. Yeah. Now, in this case, we're going from uh, fauna to flora. And uh, one of the questions that was posed to um, uh, a scientist in uh, this section of the science section of the New York Times today is an odd one. I mean, I can't even imagine thinking about something like this, but here it is. Here's the question. What would happen if, while I was popping popcorn, all the kernels popped at once? Should I be worried? Now, first of all, who would think of that? You know, because one of the joys of popcorn popping is that sort of pop, 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 all of them going off just a millisecond apart, right? Right, right, right. But there's always a few stragglers. Yes, but why? What would keep them all from just going at once and yeah blowing the the, well, the, way, the way to make them go because they aren't all at the same temperature at the same time they are aren't all in direct contact with the oil or the hot air uh and they aren't all surrounded by the same temperature at the same time the way to it would seem to me the way to make that happen is to use very few kernels and a lot of oil that's at the same temperature and place them all in at the same time, far apart. And I bet you those would all pop at the same time. There you go. Well, Susan understands that is true that when, uh, did I get it? Is that what the article actually was about? Well, it's that the odds of it happening are infinitesimal. Right. Right. So, so, uh, you know, a, a kernel pops, because the water that is inside it heats up and boils. And when the water boils, it expands, but the hull of the kernel keeps the steam contained until the steam gets so hot that the pressure blows through and the kernel pops, right? But the answer to this question, Susan, which you did in what? About 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. 
it goes on for an entire column all the way down the side of the, the page because the scientist who's answering it gets all wonky. <laughs> well, there are all these he, variables. How much well, right. moisture he, is in any given kernel, which is not he necessarily goes the same. Nuts. So um he I just gonna I'm gonna read one little bit because this had me just roaring. I stopped even trying to understand it. I just thought, okay. To estimate just how unlikely a mega pop is, we need to know a little more about popcorn timing. Uh, so uh, he then goes into this whole thing where he does an experiment. Okay, since an individual pop lasts about 40 milliseconds, let's say that they all need to pop within a 40 millisecond window to count as at the same time. Now using the distribution of pops, any one kernel would have about a one in 1,750 chance of popping at the same time as any other. The chances of all 300 kernels popping at the same time works out to roughly one in 10 to the 935th power. And then he goes on and on and actually cites Orville Redenbacher, who has 24 living descendants, and tries to think of calling all. It is beyond belief. It is the silliest thing you've ever read. <clears throat> So anyway, yeah, not to worry. And what's funny you know what about it sounds it, like this is a guy that never actually popped popcorn. No, before. no, he says he likes to. <laughs> he likes to. But here's the thing. They're all clearly talking about microwave popcorn. And I don't do microwave. the exact wrong way to do popcorn. It's so yeah. easy to do the right way and it tastes so much better. The only the only thing is you've got a pot to clean. That's that's the difference. But yeah, I pop popcorn the old-fashioned way with oil in a pan and kernels and pop, 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 pop. And um, they aren't, no, most people, I guess, don't do that anymore. And you can tell when you go to the grocery store and you're just trying to get a bag of unpopped corn, sometimes there isn't any. You might get a bottle of Orville Redenbacher's overpriced kernels, but I just want one of those old bags. Because everybody's doing microwave. Anyway, whatever. Okay, so, <clears throat> wait a minute. Ed's written something on frogs. Wood frogs most likely bury themselves under leaves as insulation to prevent themselves from going through a lot of freeze and thaw cycles, which would not be a good thing. You think? I don't know. I leave all my leaves down in my backyard where most of my critters seem to live because I figure it helps them through the... Well, yeah, and, and by the way, that's where people that rake out their gardens too early are disturbing all of the, the butterflies I'm, that, you know, you got to let know, that stuff and you know, and and it don't cut down like the little pods on your uh, what's left of flowers and stuff because the birds eat those things. I, I, you know, our need to clean up, <laughs> clean up nature is so misplaced and just anyway, whatever. We don't even think of the. I had to have some tree limbs trimmed. The nature is a natural recycler. Uh, yeah, well, I yes, I, I had to have some tree uh, limbs trimmed, and I was just a wreck when they were here, because 
of the squirrels that are in the trees. And I kept saying, don't. You see that nest up there? Don't. Get in the way of that. I mean, it's just like, do people think of what they're... No. It's upsetting. Witness the little owls that made the journey to uh, New York City in the sacrifice tree. I didn't hear that. I was too busy hacking. Okay. There was a little owl, a teeny little miniature owl that right. was transported to New York. In the, for the Rockefeller Christmas tree. Right. And a uh, little Cute teeny little guy fella. was stuck in the, yeah, he was stuck somehow. So they they did get him out and... Oh, God. Okay, what else do I have? Um, Good oh, luck, because I, I got nothing. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I got I got plenty. Um, um, I just have to let people know about something that's going on at the August Wilson African American Cultural Center here. Folks, if, you're, uh, if you are uh, music fans, um, then you certainly know Roger Humphreys. Uh, a Pittsburgh uh, legend uh, who has played with you name him Lionel Hampton, Ray Charles, Dizzy Gillespie, Stanley Turrentine, everybody, everybody. Okay. He, um, and he's still going strong. He teaches at Kappa, the Center for the Performing uh, Arts, the high school here. And uh, he teaches at the University of Pittsburgh. He be a drummer. And he's amazing. Anyway, he's going to be playing along with his his group, bass, sax, piano, trumpet, at the August Wilson Center, just for you. This is a virtual series. They'll be live um, in studio, and you're going to have a front row seat, okay? But you have to purchase a ticket. And you do that by going to the August Wilson Center uh, website. This is uh, January 7th at 8 p.m. Your own, uh, it's called a virtual series, AW Studio Sessions. And they're going to be doing these kinds of, uh, of sessions. Uh, let me see, the, I think the first Thursday of the month uh, through April. And uh, Roger Humphreys it will be uh, the first one out of, out of the gate. Okay, so um, one of the most powerful, intricate drummers on the music scene. African-American, August Wilson, African-American Cultural Center, which is a mouthful, but we know what it is and we're thrilled it's here. Right, and oh. by the way, if you haven't uh, had the opportunity oh. to watch Ma Rainey's Black, Black Bottom, Bottom. Oh. Uh, please do so. Uh, it mm -hmm. is, um, it's, it's simply the play in a movie form in which you can hear the minute that the language starts. Oh. Um, so it's, it's just, uh, it's beautifully done and, and, and the two leads are incomparable. Yeah. And so is everybody else. Yeah. It's really something. It's really something. The leads being Viola Davis and uh, Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman. Right, his last role. Oh, God. So you know what's interesting is when you get rich, You know, remember when it used to be back in the like, uh, well, probably the 16, 17, 1800s, that uh, the, in order to show you were rich, you often 
we're fat. You got fat, right. And now it's the poor. Right. So the rich used to be uh, seen as, uh, you know, as showing their wealth by showing their, you know, expanded waistlines that they could afford, you know, so much food and, um, and the poor were, yeah, skinny. And so fat was in and skinny was out. Well, things have been flipped, obviously. Now the rich are skinny <laughs> and they spend a lot of time staying skinny. And the poor are increasingly obese because they are eating the processed crap that capitalism has uh, made for them. So one of the fascinating things about um, about the global economy and how wealth has come to countries that were before had populations of, you know, very poor, very poor people, is that these countries are now dealing with increasing obesity because their folks can eat and have access to food. And so China is freaking out because more than half of Chinese adults are overweight. And that's a direct correlation to their expanding economy. Right? Right. So the obesity rates in China have doubled in the last two decades as their as the economic engine that is now China has exploded as well. So, you know, the Chinese aren't ones to tolerate this kind of thing. So they'll, God knows what's going to (laughs) happen. But um, they're already are aware of it and are starting to get folks to lose the weight. Um, But it is that Chinese are increasingly turning to processed foods and greasy restaurant meals because they can afford it now. So you get a little money in your pocket and you use it to kill yourself. God. Just saying. Well, but, you know, if you haven't had (laughs) enough to eat in your life and suddenly you do have enough to eat. Yeah. You just eat. <clears throat> right. It's exactly. When it's when food is no longer about survival and hasn't been for a very long time. Well, it you, is for some people. <laughs> right. Well, no, yeah, but we I mean that. for the for the thin folks. You know, it, yeah. you just it's because there is a different relationship with food in every sense of the word. Well, they're saying too in China culturally. Um, one of the ways that people showed that they had means was to um, order, uh, go to a restaurant and order, you know, three times more food than you could possibly eat to literally and very obviously waste right. food was a way to show, God, humans are awful. What's <laughs> a way to show how rich you were? 
rather than ordering all that, eating what you can and taking the rest out to the street to feed all those homeless people. Oh, God. Anyway. Okay. So I'm afraid we are nearing getting into. Oh, no. Well, Susan, I've done two thirds, two thirds. We only have 20 minutes left. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> and oh, this shout out to everybody. Sally Wiggins coming on tomorrow. And I don't know if we'll be able to do what we did last time she was on, which was not at all talk about all the crap. Um, I don't know if we can pull that off again, but I think we probably can. Well, you got you got years of stories, you two. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, people, somebody texted me and said, when Sally's on, ever talk about the people she's met and who are the, you know, tell, you know, who are the nice ones who are not so nice. And I got to tell you, Sally is not one to she say. She won't do that. She won't do it. She won't say anything negative about anybody. And consequently, to ask her to tell those stories is just to hear a bunch of, you know, raves, which is no fun. <laughs> <laughs> If you want people to talk shit about people, you have to have Lynn and her sister. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she just wouldn't. <laughs> she she might to me privately or something, but she's not going to. Oh, she's so funny. She came to walk the dog uh, the other day. And I have a neighbor who has 5,000 SUVs. I don't know. what, And, and, and on occasion, uh trailers attached to SUVs and he tends to park them on the street um, so that you can't get in and out of your driveway well you can but it's it makes for a tougher I know ingress guy. ingress <laughs> and egress so um, and I've had a, a number of people who come to the house complain about it to me. And I lack the courage, of course, to ask these people to please, because technically, technically, uh, my driveway is not blocked. Right. It's just been made difficult. Right. So, and I'm just a wimp. So, um, Sally's been coming to walk the dog and she has been building up a head of steam about these SUVs. The other day I went after she brought the dog back and, um, I closed the door and said goodbye. Um, I started hearing her honking. <laughs> she was laying on her horn and honking and honking and I, I, I don't know. And then she called me like 10 minutes later. I was honking. They didn't come out. You know, she's just doing So the other day, yesterday, she actually encountered one of them as he drove up with an SUV with a trailer attached and was about to park it right there, keeping her from getting out of the driveway. And she starts honking it. I don't know why she thinks honking is going to do anything. Said he was oblivious. So he... Uh, she got out of her car, she tells me this, and says to him, please, I can't get out if you park there. 
And so he sort of reluctantly backed up a little bit and let her let her out. And then, of course, Moved five right minutes later, yeah. I get a phone call. It's Sally. And she said, I just can't. And she was just screaming and yelling and this and that. And she said, she said, I think he heard my voice. He heard my voice. He knew it was me. <laughs> I, I said, so what? So she is so not ever wanting people to not think well of her. So, you know, she figures that with a mask on and her hat pulled down, she's just an irate. Oh, no, no, lady. no. But if it's Sally Wiggins' voice screaming, at, I can't get out of your driveway. I'm the driveway. Can you please look? Um, she was sure that he, and I said, so who cares? Well, she cared. So she said, I shouldn't have done it. I used my, and she was going on for about 20 minutes about losing her temper. And what she's succeeded in doing is making me angry now at these people who I had decided not to be angry with because it's, there's nothing I can do. And so I want to enjoy my house. I'm not going to get angry at my neighbors. She's worked me up into a state that I find myself staring out the window. <laughs> I, will, I, I have to say I'm on her side. I mean, uh, anybody that is visiting you with a car, you can, you know, it leaves you in a, the, the person visiting you with no place to leave their car except in your driveway. And then it's very difficult to get out. They're taking up all the street all the time. And it's just pretty awful. much. They all have the been for years all the time. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, yesterday, a bunch of five or six kids, I'd say about eight, nine years old, they're all out there piling into the SUV, no face masks. There were older people there too, no face masks. Drives me crazy. Well, if they have all those SUVs, Clearly, there's a lot of people in that house. No, there's one family in that house. But they got people who come. Well. Neighbors, what are you going to do? I've always been lucky, but this, I think my luck's run out. Anyway, I didn't mean to talk about that. Sally would have a fit if she knew I did. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking that. Uh, sorry, Sally. She doesn't listen. It's okay. Don't tell her. Okay. Um, she was so upset that she said, I've been eating healthy, but this is so, I'm so mad. I got to go get two hot dogs. <laughs> she like goes to sheets or something and gets two hot dogs. Anyway. Okay. Sheets. How do you spell that? S H E E T Z. You don't have sheets. No. It's a, you know, like a, what do you call places like that? Uh, like a, a Chicago Red Hot place. No, because it's always, it's associated with a, you know what? I swear I've never been in one. Do they have, <laughs> wait a minute. We don't eat this way. Wait, wait, no. <laughs> uh, it's like, a, you know, uh, one of those quick places where you go in and you get, 
bad a fast food. food restaurant. Yeah. Well, it's not a restaurant. No, it's got packaged goods you could get. You know, if you oh, found your... it's like a Seven Eleven kind of a yes, place. Yes, yes, it's like one of those places. Exactly. A convenience um, store, they're called, Lynn. Yeah. A convenience store. Really? Okay, yeah. but a chain. It's a chain. Convenience yeah, a chain of store. convenience stores. Um, but okay. not, not in any state I've ever lived in. Oh, okay. So, um, uh, uh, yeah, so just do it. Okay. So, this, um, the vaccine uh, rollout is apparently being effed up every bit as much as everything else. Yes, for some reason. Why are they not getting the vaccine out? They said when they started that they would have 20 million doses in arms uh, by the end of the year. Uh, I was looking at a calendar. Uh, The end of the year is like uh, two days away. And we've got a little over a million. So we are screwing this up royally again. And the, you start looking at other countries. Israel started after us. And they are now so far down in their thing that everybody over the age of 60 has already received a vaccine, plus all their frontline workers. Plus, And the reason is they're doing it as a, from the federal level. They're do and let me just point out something. When a hospital gets all their doses, they aren't just vaccinating their frontline workers. The no. secretaries are getting it. The administrators that never That's see a right. patient are need. And meanwhile, other professionals not affiliated with the hospital but treating patients have right. no way of getting it. Right. Because and you can get if you yeah, but if you leave it, here's what we do. We just send this stuff out. Even the states don't take control of it. The states send sort of blah blah blah. Then it goes to, yeah, to this hospital or this nursing home. And then it is up to those individual little fiefdoms. And they are not all run by good people, morally good people. And all the people are um, are capable of being uh, pressured, and people who have the means to apply pressure are doing that now, elbowing everybody to get to the head of the line, and it's slowing everything down. Nobody has control of this. This is one of those things that needs to be top down, and we got nothing at the top. We got... Uh, We've got no president, none. He hasn't done one thing since he lost the election. Not a thing except play golf and pardon criminals. Well, he did sign uh, the the, uh, Uh, stimulus bill. Yes, he did. After messing it up. After Lindsey Graham went and played golf with him. Yes, isn't that lovely? Uh, Screw them all. It's we are we are the most inept, embarrassing country right now. I'm just I'm so appalled. So is there any chance that both these Democrats or no. can win? I, I I think that Warnock has a better chance than Ossoff. I um 
because he didn't win the first time. I mean, Warnock did. And and just numbers-wise, Ossoff has to take all of the, every single vote, keep every vote he got, and then take every vote that went to the third guy in order to win. Uh-oh, somebody's actually emailing me that I have a caller, which means they're probably the caller, and they're pissed because they've been waiting for five hours. Uh-oh. Take the call. Uh, Hello, Mike. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's funny. I know I have like three things to say. I only had one to begin with. <laughs> okay. Oh, great. <laughs> um, so I've been not living in Pittsburgh for 20 years, and I I know the solution to your neighbor problem. I can't oh, believe really? you don't know the solution. What is it? Parking A chair. chair. Yeah, well, yeah, but I can't put the chair on. They're parking on their side. Uh, they're not parking on my, you know, they're it parking on matter. their People put chairs everywhere. You can put a chair there. That's true. It's a public. I could put chairs there. How long have you lived in this town? You don't know about the chair. <laughs> I know about parking chairs. You. I know about them. I just never deployed one. Now is the time. You know what I also I, I said, Sally. Next time you're backing out, just slam into the sob and keep going. <laughs> I think that's illegal. But a chair. <laughs> you know, worst thing that can happen is you lose your chair. Okay, I've got some chairs I can lose. I can't I just, do it. I just go get a couple of sawhorses and just I can't and, do it. and just put it there with the do not park sign and wait for them to figure out why it's there. I just can't. This is a guy who actually offered to shovel my driveway once. He won't even and, know it's your chair. And if he doesn't oh, yeah, you, you can say, I had surgery, and I have lots of people coming to walk my dog, and they can't get in. <laughs> Come on, little old lady. Play the card. Okay, but I, I just hate confrontation. I can't handle it. Can you it. believe this? This is, this is Lynn about... Sally Wiggin read him out. This is Lynn the Mouth Cullen, who's afraid of confrontation. <laughs> but Susan, tell him it's true. It is true. Only I, am, I, only I actually yell at people in the family. Everybody yeah, Susan. Else. Yeah, I cannot. I, I run the other way. My brother cannot. Yeah, I get, no, I can't stand getting in a fight with somebody or even standing up for my own point of view. I'm a wimp. I only well, play a, I play a loud mouth on on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not why I called. I called for right. a previous conversation about forty minutes ago, which was about why poor people eat badly. It yeah. isn't because they get a little money and they can go eat. It's because they're exploited and they're overworked, and the only thing they can eat because they work sixty, eighty hours a week is crap food that they don't have to prepare themselves. So yeah. their weight is the evidence of their exploitation, not not the result of them making a little money. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And they also live in food deserts. Right. Yeah. And if an apple costs a dollar, but a candy bar costs 50 cents, what are you going to buy? Listen, no apple with a capital A costs a dollar. <laughs> And you're I'm going to buy the me. candy bar anyway. <laughs> you're, ki you're kidding. Seriously, you're kidding about that, right? 
No, you didn't hear the capital A. The capital A apple? That was yeah. a... No, Mac we were talking... Apple. Uh, no, 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 no. Apple. I'm not really talking about apples. I'm talking about apple. The, no. You must not have been listening to that part of the show. Mm, that was 45 I, I minutes. I came in late. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Never mind. That was a allusion to something before. Sorry. Okay, yeah. you're right about that. You're right about that. You know, there was an incredible obituary today about a a doctor who, uh, what an amazing guy. His name is Jack Geiger. Uh, he died at 95. He's just some brilliant character who ran away from uh, home and ran to Harlem um, and ended up living. This is when he was a teenager. He'd already gotten through high school by the age of 14. And and he ran away and was taken in by this um, actor who he had seen, um, a guy named Canada Lee. And Lee brought him in. And Lee at the time was hanging out with Langston Hughes and Richard Bright and Orson Welles and Paul Robeson and Billy Strayhorn. And this little this kid um, was taking all of this in. And then the the guy who had taken him in uh, gave him money and sent him off to Madison, Wisconsin, to go to the University of Wisconsin. This is in 1941. And to make more money for himself, he got a job at the Capital Times, which is the newspaper there. But he was under the age of 18, and he was he was covering the police beat. And he, there was a curfew for people under 18. And so he said he, it was a very odd thing to be the police reporter who had to get a special pass from the police to be out at night. <laughs> that, <laughs> then he ends up doing so much extraordinary work. Um, he opened up these health clinics um, in the Deep South and he felt that a doctor, by the way, he was not let into medical school because after he got out of World War II, he became a pre-med student at the University of Chicago. And he was so blown away by the racial discrimination he saw toward patients, toward qualified black students, all of that, that he organized a strike, which was unheard of in 1947. And he got blackballed by the American Medical Association so that no medical school would take him. So he went back to journalism and he did that for five years. And then in 1954, he's 29 years old now, he finally sneaks into Case Western and gets his degree. So what he ended up doing with these um, clinics is he said, it's not what's making these people sick is, is racism, is poverty. And so we're not just going to treat their appendix. We have a responsibility to treat poverty and the disparities in health care. And every doctor has to do that. And so he got some grant to start a clinic, and he used it to build a library, a farm co-op, high school equivalency program, to dig wells and privies. The governor of Mississippi went after him, saying he was misusing the funds, sent some person to tell him you have to stop. Um, he says, those funds are meant to treat diseases. 
like malnutrition. And Dr. Geiger's reply was, yeah. Well, the last time I looked in my medical textbooks, it said the specific therapy for malnutrition was food. An amazing guy. Just wanted to say. How old was he? He died at the age of 95. Um, and I tell you, he had to have known and been pals with a guy I met and um, interviewed who, of all the people I've ever interviewed, I remember the most. And because I read this obit, I quickly looked up to see if he was alive. And he is at 99, Dr. Bernard Laun. Because he and this guy and some other doctors are the ones that founded um, Physicians for Social Responsibility. And they won the Nobel Peace Prize in uh, 95. And Bernard Blown, uh I had on my show, I'll never, ever, ever forget this remarkable man. And he's still alive, but he must, I mean, he, so this was uh, a friend of his. And, and Lown, by the way, is still at Harvard, and he's the one, he invented the uh, defibrillator. Jeez. These are remarkable people. But Lynn, you misspoke. More of these. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. You misspoke. You said you remember his interview most of all. I think you remember Lawrence Welk's interview better. <laughs> I don't remember the interview. I remember his the sexual assault. <laughs> Sorry. I'll Do you know when I was in that. Madison recently for a family wedding? I drove by, as I drove into Madison, I drove by the scene of the crime. That Sheraton Hotel was still there across from the arena, and I thought, oh, my God. Yeah, I was assaulted in there. way with you. Yeah. <laughs> Creep. So, there. A one did, and a two and a goodbye. Goodbye. Yes. We, we did it without saying the T word. We did. Good for us. I did, uh, Mike, did you get all your stuff out? Or yes. did we, good. Said you there. had three. You only did two. I lost the other one. At a okay. Time. All right. I well, I know that. how that goes. All right. Okay. Well, bye. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. I guess we're done. Jeez, oh, don't sound so down. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. See you, everyone. Bye. And uh, Sally, uh, tomorrow, don't tell her I told that story. I'm serious. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.